Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The Lord has served me here this morning to do a work. I am assured today that God has a mission and a plan for this service. I'm assured of that. These singers, worshipers, did not know what God gave me to preach, and I didn't know what God gave them to sing. But we've been singing about a way maker, a miracle worker, a light in the darkness. The song before that, put the words of that previous song up. I don't know what it was. Put it up. I, I don't even know the name of the song. What is it? Walk around these walls, I thought, but, but, but you've never failed me yet. Watch. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Go on. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed. Has anybody ever been failed by God? Did God ever fail you? One more time. Let's see what else he says. My, 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 my. That's powerful stuff in those songs. And then when we start singing this song, I said, okay, God, I got this. You gave me the right stuff, and you gave them the right stuff. I know the night won't last. Your word will come to pass. My heart will sing your praise again. You know why? Because he's the way maker, the miracle worker. He's everything you need today. I'm going to read a little bit. I'm going to read a little bit from the book of 1 Samuel. I began reading in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 22. Not anything that I haven't preached before, but some things that we need to hear fresh and we need to hear new today. I want to say this, this week we, met, we buried a a hero of this faith, a hero of the faith, a, a great, great, great man, the greatest I've ever known in my life, and had such an impact and an influence upon not only this church, but me personally, and it just happened to be Andrea's grandfather, and uh, Andrea, we love you, and, and uh, your sister is here with you today, and I know that you are both uh, very very young. Should I? I don't want to say. I, I want to say your heart's broken today because you lost a great man, Brother Tenney, Brother T.F. Tenney. But I want to tell you that he is uh, in a better place than we are today. Amen. So we honor that memory today. Wow. How many of you would just let the Lord do what He wants to do in our lives in the next few minutes? Just let Him do what He wants to do. I'm not going to preach long. I thank you for being here. For all of our guests, I love you and I'm glad you're in the house of the Lord today. What an honor to have you all here. God is doing wonderful things in this church. I, I'm so proud of you, Connie. I see you through there. Thank you for being here. And your husband, Tommy. I knew Tommy Ante way back at Washington High School, all 10 or 12 years ago. Amen. But, uh, Tommy, I'm glad to have you, a couple with you. Thank you. God bless you, all you folks that's coming. The Bible said in 1 Samuel 13, 22, So it came to pass in the day of battle, there was neither sword, watch this now, neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan. But with Saul and with Jonathan, his son, was there found. 
There's two swords. Two swords. There's not a sword in Israel except in the hand of Jonathan and Saul. Verse four, or chapter 14, verse 13 says this. Jonathan climbed up on his hands and upon his feet and his armor bearer after him and they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. And that, and that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within as it were a half acre of land which was a yoke which a yoke of oxen might plow. And there was trembling in the host, in the field, and among all the people, the garrison and the spoilers, they also trembled, and the earthquake. So it was a very great trembling. And the watchman of Saul in Gibeah, of Benjamin, looked, and behold, the multitude melted away, and they went on beating down one another. I want to I want to preach something very relevant to our day and very relevant to your personal life today, and it would simply be this. This is why I mentioned those two songs because it goes with what I have to preach today, and I've preached this several times through the years, but it's been a long time since I've preached this. But I could not get away from this today, and I never preach things the same way twice. So. Uh, but sometime I do go back and get thoughts that God has given me along the way. And here's one of them. Man's extremity. Everybody say this with me. Man's extremity is God's opportunity. Does anybody believe that today? Man's extremity is God's opportunity. That's what I want to talk to you a little bit about today. You may be seated. God bless you. Thank you for standing so long. Thank you, worship team, for... The worship today that is in this house, the musicians, the, the, the worship, the singing is fabulous. Thank you so very much. So in this, in this text we find that Jonathan and his armor bearer went to fight the battle that nobody else would go fight. Let me just let me just read a little bit more and, and, and so you can get a grasp on what is happening in chapter fourteen. The Bible said it came upon a day that Jonathan the son of Saul said unto the young men that bear his armor, Come and let us go up to the Philistines garrison that is on the other side, but he told not his father. He went without his daddy knowing. And Saul tarried in the uttermost parts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron and the people that were with him were about 600 men. There were 600 of them. And Ahiah, the son of Ahitab, Ichabod's brother, and the son of Phineas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over into the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Sina. The forefront of the one was situate northward over against Mishmash, Mishmash and the other 
southward against Gibeah. And, and Jonathan said to the young men that bear his armor, Listen, come and let us go over into the garrisons of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart turn thee. Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. In other words, we're going to make ourselves known. And if they say unto us, Tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, Come up unto us, then we'll, we will go up, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand. I want you to get the picture today. Jonathan and his armor bearer. Now, I read to you in, in chapter 13, in verse 22, the Bible said that there was no sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan. There were 600 men without a weapon. But here they were up against the Philistines. And Jonathan slipped out of camp because he believed that God could give them victory. Some would have called him a fool, but I call him a man of faith. Because he said to his armor bearer, you stay with me. If we're, we're gonna, we're gonna make ourselves known and if they call us up, we'll go. If they don't, we'll stand still and see what the Lord will do. But the story was, that when he did discover himself to the Philistines, I want to tell you that, that the battle was on. And Jonathan and his armor bearer, with a sword, one sword, the Bible said he slew 20 men and about half an acre, as much as an ox could plow in a day. And then, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, God takes over. I love it when God takes over. I love it when you have gone as far as you can go. When you have done everything you know you can do. I'm talking to people in this room today. When you have expelled your energy. When you have given of your money. When you have exhausted every answer that you could possibly find. I want to tell you when you have come to the end of the road. When you have, when you have done all you know to do and you don't know anything else to do, that is God's greatest opportunity in your life. Here in this story, the Bible said, when they had slayed about twenty men and a half an acre, there was a trembling in the host in the field and among the people and the garrison and the spoilers and they also trembled and the earth Quaked, it shook, and it was a great trembling, the Bible said. But back in, in Gibeah, there was Saul sitting under a pomegranate tree, no doubt wondering how he was going to get through this dilemma. Because here they were, 600 men, without a sword or a spear. And the Philistines were upon them and wanting to make war. I just tell you this, that the earth shook. And the power of God came, and the watchman of Saul and Gibeah looked, and behold, the Bible said, the multitude of the Philistines began to melt away. What happened was, 
is when Jonathan had fought with his old stubby, stubby sword and his armor bearer hanging in there with him. Just two men against the garrison. I want to tell you, when they had fought till they didn't have any more energy, when they fought until they couldn't go another step, when they had given everything that they had, God stepped in and took over and won the battle for them. Isn't that just like God? Isn't that the God that we serve? Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I've come to tell you that your extreme situation is a place for God to step in and perform a miracle in your life. I will step into a room in a few hours of a lady that's been diagnosed with cancer. That they tell her if something doesn't happen, she doesn't have very long to live. But I'm going to tell her that her extremity is God's opportunity. When the doctors walk in and shake their head and say, we've done all we can do. The great doctor hasn't done all that he can do. When the, when, when the, when the bill collectors are mounting up, when the job's on the line, when the family's in trouble, when you pray to the middle of the night, And you can't shed another tear. I want to tell you about a God that in your extreme situation will walk into your life and He'll change things for you. And He is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He is the light in the darkness. He's the one you can have confidence in. He's a God that never fails. You don't have to worry. He always shows up right on time. He is a God of great opportunity. Remember, remember when Israel left Egypt. The story goes that when Israel left Egypt and they came to the Red Sea, the Bible said there were mountains on the right and there were mountains on the left. The Red Sea was before them. And, and here we have three to five million people trying to get out of Egyptian slavery and Egyptian bondage. You can read about it in the book of Exodus, of the great exodus of Israel out of Egypt. But let me tell you what happened. Pharaoh's army was behind them. There was mountains on the right, mountains on the left. There was no escape. There was no escape. By the hand of man, it was an impossibility. By the hand of man, Moses was there leading the children of Israel because God had told him to. The children of Israel saw their dilemma. Some of them even began to mumble and to complain and say, Why did you bring us here to die in this wilderness at the hands of Pharaoh? We're going to die right here because you brought us to a place there's nowhere to go. We can't go right or left. We can't go back because Pharaoh is behind us. We can't go forward because there's a great sea in front of us. But let me tell you, when you're standing and Pharaoh is behind you and the mountains on the right and the sea before you, there's a God that can cause an east wind to blow the waters back. And suddenly you can walk through on dry land. Hallelujah! I'm talking about a God of opportunity today. I can't tell you how many times I've been not where Israel was physically, but when they were, they were spiritually. 
initially. I've been there. I've been where I couldn't go back. I couldn't go right. I couldn't go left. I couldn't go forward. But God, in the nick of time, will cause the wind to blow and the Spirit to move. And something good will happen in my life. Ladies and gentlemen, He's a God of opportunity. And He's waiting on you to exhaust your means. And He will step in right on time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The sea opened up. Somebody said, well, you know, those naysayers said, well, it wasn't but ankle deep. Well, i got a question for you. Ankle deep. I've heard, I've heard theologians say the sea at that time of the year wasn't but ankle deep or knee deep. How did drown Pharaoh and all of his army in knee deep or ankle deep water? Because when they got through... And Pharaoh's coming after them. The Lord let them all, Pharaoh and his army, got in the middle of the Red Sea. Uh, the Red sea. And the Bible said he, he took the wheels off their chariots. All of a sudden, they're sitting out in the middle of the Red Sea where the dry land was in chariots with no wheels. And the Lord let them all get there. And He took the wheels off. And then He just let the wind stop. And here comes the waters. Hallelujah. Not only did He deliver Israel, He destroyed their enemy. He destroyed those that would have, would have taken them captive. Could I preach to you this morning? He's a God that does things right. He will not only destroy, He will not only save you, but He will destroy the things that are trying to damn you. He will destroy the things that are trying to cause you to be lost. I've come to preach to you on a Sunday morning that you may feel like your back's against the wall. You can't make another step, but if you just stand still, there's a God that's coming. There's a God that's going to show up. He's a God of opportunity in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your extremity, ma'am, your extremity, sir, is no problem with God. It's no, it's no issue with God. Anybody believe that today? God is bigger than your situation. He's bigger than your financial crisis. He's bigger than the crisis on your job today. He's bigger than the doctor's report. Hallelujah. He's bigger than anything you're facing. You say, well, I've been suffering depression. I don't know how to get out of it. God's on the way. And I'm here to tell you. When, look, there were two, two, two well-known figures that committed suicide this week in America. Let me tell you something. Suicide is not your answer. Death is not your answer. God is your answer. Because when you don't know an answer, He is the answer. When you can't figure out an answer, He's not the answer. He is the answer. Opportunity you're looking for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. She was frail, no doubt. She was weak, no doubt. She had had an issue of blood for 12 years. She spent all her money. Bible dead said she spent all of her money on doctors. She was broke. Her health was gone. She had no hope. The Bible said, 
The Bible said, when she heard Jesus, when she heard of Jesus, she, she, she went. And she was so desperate. We don't know her name. Bible doesn't give her a name. Bible just called her a woman with the issue of blood. But this woman was sick for 12 long years and suffered many things, the Bible said, of many physicians. But she said, you know what? If I could just touch it, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. She said, I believe I'll be made whole. If I can just get to Jesus. Oh, oh, friend, I don't know who you are in this building today. But if I could get you, if I could just get you to Jesus. If I could just get you to where he's at. If I could just get you to touch him. If I could get you to make your way to him. The Bible said, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. You know why? What the doctors couldn't do, Jesus did. What nobody else could help her with, Jesus did. Hallelujah. I've come to preach Jesus to you today. I've come to tell you that He is the great God of the impossibility today. I'm not preaching anything new. I'll tell you what He did. He turned around and said, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Just go your way. You're healed today. But doctor, but I've been to the doctors and they, I've been here and I, He said it doesn't matter to Today, by faith hath made thee whole. Your extremity is God's opportunity. It's a time that He wants to step in and He wants to do something good for you when you least expect God to show up. I want you to understand that when He healed that woman with the issue of blood, at that very time He was on His way to a man named Jairus' house to heal his daughter. When he healed that woman with the issue of blood, he stopped long enough to heal a woman with an incurable sickness. But he was on his way to Jairus' house. Watch this. And, and, and while he was on his way, there come up one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and he besought him, saying, My daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that, they, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And while Jesus was healing this woman with the issue of blood, the Bible said, While he yet spake, there came somebody from the ruler's house. And they said, Jairus' daughter's dead. She's dead. Said, quit fooling, quit trying to get Jesus there. She's dead. No. It's just an opportunity for God. You know what he said? Bob said, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said in the rule of the synagogue, be not afraid. Somebody in this building say that with me. Be not afraid. Say only believe. When you're there and you don't know what to do, don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe. The Bible said he came to the ruler's house, the ruler of Jairus, and he seeth the tumult and was, and there he wept, and those them that wept and wailed greatly because this girl had died. And when he came in, he said to them, Why make all this ado and weep? The damsel's not dead. She's just sleeping. 
And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he took to the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with them. And he entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand. And he said unto her, Talitha Kumai, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with great astonishment. You know what he said? To you, she's dead. To me, it's a miracle. To you, opportunity's over with. But to me, opportunity just began. Have you not read the scripture that to men there's, there's impossibilities, but to God all things are possible? With men it's impossible sometimes. We don't understand it. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to fix it. We don't know where to go. But to God. Everybody say this with me. To God. Say it loud. To God. There is no impossibility. There's nothing God can't do. There's not a situation God can't fix. There's not a, a sickness God can't heal. There's not, a, there's not a problem that God can't solve. There's not a mind and a heart that God can't change. There's nothing that's impossible with God. There's nothing too big for Him. There's nothing too small for Him. There's nothing impossible with God. You've got to hear me today. You think your situation is beyond help. No! God's got this. God knows how to do this. I may not know how. Eric Pearson might not know how. Charlie Satterfield may not know how. Jimmy does. But God knows how. And we in all of our learning may be, we may be mystified by our situation. But God says, that's nothing to me. That's just a small thing to me. He can move mountains out of your way. He can move seas out of your way. He can fix it. It doesn't take what man says. It takes what God says. Ha! Woo! My, my, my. First Corinthians one twenty five. Watch what Paul said. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, and not many mighty. And not many noble are called. Could I tell you why? Could I pause and paraphrase for a minute? Paul said, there's not many wise and not many mighty and not many noble called. You know why? Could I put it to you in 21st century language? Because some folks are too big for their britches. They think they know it all. They got so much wisdom and so much knowledge, they're too smart for God. Well, Paul said, But God hath chosen foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world, and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. You call me crazy if you want to. I know who Jesus is. 
I know what Jesus can do. Hallelujah. That's why, that's why, and look, it's in the book. Not many wise, not many noble, not many mighty. They're not coming to God. They're all too sophisticated for God. Come on now. Look around you. Now, now God will save whosoever will. But there's some folks that are not going to come to God because they got it all figured out. They want to tell God how to do it. They want, they, their theology is bigger than God's theology. Their doctrines are more important than God's doctrines. I'm, I'm, I'm quit preaching with the mandolin here for a minute, but I'm going somewhere. You know what? They'll miss the miracle. And they'll miss the glory. And they'll miss the sign. And they'll miss the power. Because God chooses foolish things. He chooses things like a crazy apostolic preacher. He chooses things like a little dance around the altar, Antoinette. He chooses things like people throwing their hands up and worshiping. He chooses people that are willing to submit themselves. I don't ever want to get too smart for God. I don't want to ever get too mighty for God. I don't ever want to get too noble for God. I want to be where God can perform a miracle in my life. And I'm just crazy enough, Brother Rice, to say, Here I am, Jesus. I'll dance before you. I'll shout before you. I'll believe you for the miracle. I'll hold on because God is bigger than any situation. Hallelujah. No flesh is going to glory in His presence. No flesh. The Bible said, Paul, he talked again. He said, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of, of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, and it might, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength. I want you to, I want you to listen to this. He said, for my strength. My strength, Paul said, my strength is made perfect in my weakness. When I don't know what to do, that's when I learn to lean on God. Come on, let's be honest here today. We pray better when our back's against the wall. We, we, we learn how to shed real tears when we got real situations. I know you've probably seen it. It's, I don't even know what the commercial's about. There's an ad on TV. It's a little bitty boy in the bathroom, and he's trying to get his britches undone. And he said, Mom! Mom! We got a real situation! Don't look at me like that. Y'all saw it too. Sometimes you got a real situation. But you don't need to be hollering for mom. You need to be saying, Lord! Lord! My daughter's dead. I got a 12-year illness. My finances are a mess. I'm in a battle on the hillside. I need you to step in. There's a Red Sea in my path. There's a mountain on my right. There's a mountain. I need some help. I got a real situation, Lord. I need some help here today. 
I need some help here today. I need some help here today. Paul said, I had a thorn and I couldn't get rid of it. And the reason I couldn't, because he was a learned man, let me tell you. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He knew what his Bible said. He knew what the gospel was. He knew all about everything. But let me tell you something. He said, I could not glory in his presence. He said, I had a thorn in my flesh. I couldn't even remember and say what it was. He said, I was buffeted by Satan. I couldn't get rid of it. I couldn't get over it. But he said, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. Here's why. Because you just stay weak and I'll stay strong. You stay weak and I'll carry you through. You stay weak and I'll see you through your problem. But you got to understand your weakness before God can become your strength. Yeah. He said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. And this is the way I'm going to end this message today. Paul said, for when I am weak, when I am weak, then am I strong. I don't know what to do. But I'm hobbling along through life and I'm, I'm miserable and I've, I've prayed and I've cried and I've, I've tried to get rid of that thing that's on my back and, and that, that problem in my life. And, and I've tried to get over all the things that and I got this and been able to find an answer. When I am weak, then am I strong. So I'm challenging you here on this Sunday morning. That's your extremity become the greatest opportunity that God could have in your life. Has anybody here prayed a prayer many times that hasn't been answered yet? Might as well be honest. I won't ask you to tell your problems or your situations, but I won't even ask you to show your hand. But I wonder who in this building today just struggled you think you got it whipped, it comes back. You think you passed it, it gets it, it just gets the best of you. You don't know how to get past it. There's a Red Sea in, in your path. There's mountains on both sides. There's an army that's got swords and you fought to your give out and you don't know how to fight anymore. You've been struggling with the issue of blood. You, you, you've got a daughter that's laying home dead. I don't know what it is. But I come to tell you on a Sunday morning that your extremity is God's opportunity. When you can't go another minute. I've never one time came to God and said, God, I can't handle it anymore. Here it is. Here it is. I can't I can't do anything else. Never one time have I just relinquished it to him. But he hadn't taken it up. As only he can. When I thought I don't have no answers, God, I'm just I'm, I'm just weak. Anybody, anybody here ever told God I'm just weak? 
week. I need help. I need strength. I need power in my life. I need you to step into my situation. I'm weak. Never one time, Jimmy Douglas, has God turned around, walked off, and left me with it. He's gathered me up. And in my weakness, I become strong. I'm preaching to somebody here on a Sunday morning. You may be weak. You may be struggling. But it's God's greatest opportunity to do a miracle in your life. He can become your way maker this morning. He can become your miracle worker this morning. He can become your light this morning. You have to step out in faith and say, here it is, God. Here it is today. I don't know anything else to do, Lord. Look, look, we're, we're, we're renowned. We're renowned for trying everything else first. We're, we're famous for that. Well, you know, I'm going to take this and... But when it all boils right down to it, we know where the source is, don't we? We know where the source is. So I'm telling you today, for those of you that are in this building, that whatever you're up against, I've come to tell you on a Sunday morning very urgently today, that God loves you, and God wants to help you. And He sent this Pentecostal preacher into your life on a Sunday morning to tell you that when you are at the end of your road, there he is, waiting to waiting to perform what you need in your life. Would you stand with me all over this house? Hallelujah. 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 My Lord. Your extremity is God's opportunity. You can't do anything else. Who in this room on this Sunday morning, who in this room would just be honest enough with yourself and with God when they begin to sing here in just a moment? You just walk down to this altar, the front of this church, and you say, okay, God, here it is today. I don't know what else to do. I don't even know how to pray about it anymore. I don't know how to handle it. It may be a habit you're fooling with. It may be some situation that's arisen in your life. It may be, it may be something that you struggle with for years. It may be something that you've had just recently. It may be something in your mind. You may be struggling with a grudge. It may be something in your heart. It may be deceit. It may be hypocrisy. It may be all kinds of spirits. I don't know what it is. But whatever it is you're struggling with today, I want you to be willing to give it to God this morning and say, God, I can't handle it another day. And let it be extreme for you, but simple for God to fix on a Sunday morning. Who, as they say, would come and meet me right here. Through it all. Through it all. My my eyes are on you. Through it all. Through it all. 